Hey everyone, welcome back to the Literacy-Based Speech Therapy Podcast. My name is Ashley. And my name is Kaylin, and we are both licensed speech-language pathologists. If you have a love of picture books and want fresh ideas for using them in your therapy sessions, then you are in the right place. So I want to open up with just saying on our third episode, we walked you guys through what a generic literacy-based speech therapy session looked like using the book Dr. DeSoto. But today, we are going to be discussing ways to group your students for a successful literacy-based therapy session and also the best ways to collect data. I think this has been always a hot topic in my DMs or question box is taking data and how to group kids because we all want to use books in therapy, but I think sometimes we feel like it goes off the rails if we don't have groups, you know, grouped the right way. On Instagram, we put out a survey and we asked you guys, do you group your students by grade or class, by language goals, or by speech sounds, or if you just kind of wing it? And the results were split, 47. It was was very scientific result. It was very scientific. (laughs) Very scientific. So 47. But it was interesting. Yes, it was very interesting. So 47% were by grade and class. You guys separate or form your groups based on the grade or the classroom that the students are in. 43% of you organize your groups based off of their language goals or them having speech sound goals. And then about 10% of you said that you didn't have any organization, which (laughs) I totally get. Yeah, (laughs) You just kind of do it. You just kind of hope for the best. Hope for the best. This was an interesting split. Yes. About half the people said by greater class, and then about the other half said they try to really stay specific to their goal, their language goal, or their speech sound goal, which... I mean, so how would you do it? How did you do it? So I know. So when I was in the schools, now I was, I was in the schools for two years in Memphis city schools. And to be honest, like (laughs) you're just kind of thrown into a school. You're never, you never know what school you're going to be in. And I even got switched my second week into work. I got switched schools. So I had it all planned out. I had four schools. And then I got switched to two, which I'm not going to complain that the two was great. Yeah, but still. Compared to four schools, but it still was a lot. And I was told that I was not allowed to pull from anything other than social studies or science classes. And then if I was going to pull a student and they were in the same, like a couple of students from the same class, the teachers preferred me to just take them all at the same time. Regardless of their goals. Regardless of their goals. That way I didn't interrupt the class multiple times. So you just kind of do what you you got to do to keep peace. It's not like I owned school. I I was a contract speech therapist. So I wasn't even on staff with the principal. So I just And let's be honest, you were younger and probably didn't know how to stand up for yourself. Right. I was definitely younger and had no clue how to stand up for myself and was still just learning the ropes and thankful that I had a place to provide therapy goals. I looked like a student to some of the teachers and principals. (laughs) Yeah. So I I and you also So mine was the opposite. So okay, so I was actually I was in most of my schools, I was in a private school. So I, I've not worked in a public school, but I had contracts with private schools. What was interesting for me was I was told I could only pull 
kids during what we called specials. So art, music, PE, what else are they pulled for? What are the special compute like, like art, computer, art, computer. yeah, and and recess? They wanted me to take them from recess, <laughs> you know, and probably kids are going to love that, yeah. And so I couldn't pull them during any like core curriculum time, which I agreed with, right? And so I would always ask the parents or kids or what you know, like, what's your least favorite special? You know, so like if they hated music. I would try to get them from music or mm-hmm. if they hated PE, I would try to, I would do my best, but I told them, you know, we can't, can't always accommodate, but I feel like you do start standing your ground more or you should start standing your ground more with teachers and administration or whoever, whoever is kind of guiding you as an SLP in your school. You've got to say, well, you may advise that, but here's what's actually best. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was a, for at least hours. And so it was a district wide under the umbrella of the exceptional children's program. So my direct supervisor's rules. And so, yeah, trying to yeah. navigate that was hard. And then in the public schools, I had a hundred kids right? and, and learning to step up for, I think I definitely with more confidence, I could have provided reasoning to the principal or to the teachers of why I needed to be a little bit more strategic with my groups. And I did try, but I definitely think that now, practicing now, I have a better understanding, better confidence in what I am doing. But it is still, I I get it. It It's tough waters to, to navigate And then sometimes groups don't work out and you have to kind of switch them or kids change schools or you get more kids. And so you got to try to navigate that as well. I think the ideal is by language sound, like their goals, if they're working on more language goals or group them by speech sound, you know, you need to group them best by goals. So I I don't, I agree. I'm not going to put a first grader with a fifth grader, but I don't mind mixing a couple of grade levels even, or pulling kids from different classes of the same grade level at a time. Yeah. Cause definitely you want to think of where their classroom is and yeah. how long it takes to get to your speech <laughs> room and back. And so that's another thing to think about, but yeah, mixing based on goals and it doesn't matter if you're in so-and-so's class versus so-and-so's class and you're similar grades, but not the right. same, as long as you're in the same geographically, the same area of the school. Because um, as it, I mean, I think as it relates to, you know, literacy-based speech therapy, if you have a kid who's only working on S, then you're going to have a really hard time trying to find books that meet maybe a different student's language goals only with the S sound in it. I think it's really limiting. So, you know, if at all possible. And getting the high trials that you need to as well for us. So I agree. But for your mixed kiddos, your kiddos who are working on speech and language, then I definitely think, you know, like you can work on those goals using literacy-based in a group setting and target both things, which we have talked about that 
the literacy-based approach is great for both working on speech sounds and language. Okay. So the next thing we asked on our Instagram stories was how do people collect data? And the the results again were also very interesting. It it really surprised me. 51% said they take data every session for each student. So it's half the people said that. And then 37% said they take it only weekly or monthly. And then 13% of you said you don't really have a set schedule. And, you know, I mean, obviously your district may have specific guidelines on what you're required to do. So, you know, there's a lot of variability on you have to obviously do what you're required to do. But I think there are some strategies when we're looking at taking data, like what's the best way to take data when you're using a literacy-based speech approach? So first for me is let the students take their own data, you know, use either the, if they're doing speech sounds, you can use the 100 or 50 trials, or just even a simple post-it note with, you know, have them do pluses and minuses. Any age can do this. I had kindergartners doing this with little post-it notes and it keeps them engaged in the activity. And, you know, number two, data should not be a secret from your students. I admit that when I was, you know, a younger SLP, I would hide my pluses and minuses in my tally marks because I didn't want to make a student feel ashamed or I could see them looking over at my page and I would get really worried about how it's going to make them feel. But the more I started, you know, like kind of growing in in my, you know, maturity as an SLP, I wanted students to know their goals and I wanted them to know what they're working towards. So I had them take, you know, ownership of what their pluses and minuses meant. We're working towards a goal. I always reinforce the idea that, you know, you're not getting grades in here. You know, I don't put anything on your report card, that kind of thing, but they have to take ownership. So data should not be a secret. And then three, I think, you know, it's impossible to take really good data every single session. So some ideas for data tracking would be Just use the first few minutes of each session on a specific number of trials. This is going to give you true data anyway, if you haven't spent the session working on things. So right off the bat, you're taking data. You can do this walking down the hall as well. Take data on just one or two students per session, rather than your entire group of, you know, four, five, six kids focus on one or two students. And then the other idea is just to kind of back off. If you're not set to any specific like mandated data tracking or goal taking, try just to do it once a month per student, you know, set apart the first Monday or Tuesday of every month and and get your data written down there. And it's kind of like you're getting your baseline and then in a month later, you can compare it with that baseline. So that's how you're able to track the progress. Another idea. So Ashley, you have the sound bookmarks, we have the narrative notes, and there's also a freebie that's I found my speech sound or I found my rhyming word, my vocabulary word, there's some other grammar. So another idea is to give each of your student something similar to this, a bookmark that has the words from the story already listed on these bookmarks and having it in front of them and then highlighting the ones that they're going to focus on that session. Yeah. And so you can download, these are free to download from my website and we'll link all of these in the show notes, but we're not expecting them to work on every, like if we list on those bookmarks, 
20 words from a book, you're not expecting them to work on 20 different vocabulary words or maybe not even 20 different articulation words. Pick four or five and really drill them home. Yeah, that's what what we're trying to do with our products is we're trying to make things easy for you guys in your sessions so that you can be successful and not feel like you're constantly drowning in the planning, the data keeping, and then you're all the other things that go along with um, providing speech therapy sessions. And then you could use, so the narrative notes, we have, we have sticky notes. Those are really great, like quick references. The WH questions, you don't have right. to think page about it. It's just page by page. You can review or even the concepts like a character analysis or the story grammar. And then same with the sticky notes, it has the vocabulary on it. So even if you don't have the product, using that concept. Yes. So that way you have something to quickly refer to um, well, is another idea. Right. Because when the information is already presented in front of you, you can then focus on the data collection. You're not having to think of all the questions, all the words, all the sounds as you're going and also making tally marks. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All the things. Another idea uh, or something to think about. And we've We've said this a lot on our podcast, but just being very picky about which books you choose. So we we discussed this in the second half of our first episode on how we pick our books out. Yes, being selective. But a good book will address your therapy goals better due to the clear story grammar, the quality vocabulary words, and a high concentration of the articulation sounds. And a good book will also, like there are books that will also cover a wide range of ages. So you can scaffold it down to your early childhood. And you can also, some of these books, you can scaffold it up to the upper elementary. And some, some books, yes, they are very illustrated more towards early childhood, but some, the humor, like kids, older, upper elementary, they're still watching cartoons. They're still interested in illustrated picture books. And so you're able to use these picture books in that wide range. So use the key teaching points in Ashley's TPT store or the free blog that has a free book search and you can use that feature on her blog, Sweet Southern Speech website, where you can literally go through the filters, look for different themes. You can look for different speech sounds or language concepts, age groups, and you can find books and get all that information on her Sweet Southern Speech website. Right. So like if you know that you have a group on Tuesdays that has specific language sounds or language goals or a group that has specific articulation sounds, go through the book search and find books that will meet their goals. And or even just thinking of the majority of your students who are going to be in your mixed groups, thinking of the types of sounds that they are going to be working on and finding books that have some of those sounds as well as a great story grammar. So that way you don't have to search for new books every single time. Cause that because is I rough. think what I have made the mistake of doing in the past is finding a good book and trying to make it work for my groups. And really you need to start with their goals. Yes. 
So when you find a book that covers a lot of goals and age groups, you're not having to recreate your data keeping sheets for numerous books. So that's another thing is you're able to use the bookmarks for a variety of students. So stop recreating the wheel and making your job harder. Just trying to, as best you can, say, even if you're able to use one book for 60% of your caseload, that's way better than having to change it up every time. So that's just a little bit of our idea. So when we were talking about what would be a good example book for this, we decided on Mother Bruce by Ryan T. Higgins. So if you're not familiar with Bruce, he is a bear. He's a grumpy bear. And this was the the first book in this series. It is a series of books. Yeah, he's written a lot. It covers a wide variety of goals and age groups. But before we start, I do want to just remind everybody listening that we do go more in depth with how to provide a literacy-based speech therapy approach in a session. So step-by-step what we would do in a session. And we discussed this using Dr. DeSoto by William Stieg in our episode three. So hop over to that episode if you want more of the foundation of what a therapy session is supposed to look like. But let's but talk if you about need a book that Yeah, we were talking about Bruce. We were trying to think of examples of books that cover a wide variety. And we landed on the Bruce books because it covers a wide variety of goals. You can use it with early childhood, with elementary, upper elementary. It covers a huge percentage of your caseload. So as a group, you're going to read the whole book together. That's what you're going to do collectively. And then you will work on those individual goals. And so you can give them either the 100 trials or the sticky notes or the sound bookmarks for them to go through and and work individually as you're kind of going between each child. So if you have a student working on vocabulary, you can give them the sticky note with all the vocabulary words like grump, migration, stern, stubborn. So there's some really great words. Now, if you have either like our book companions or our narrative notes, you know, like the little cheat sheets we give, we give you all of the vocabulary words, but you don't need to be, you know, you're not going to work on 20 vocabulary words with one student. You know, you're going to pick a couple. And so they can go through on their own. This is kind of where that independent work comes after you've read the story and discussed everything. So you may have students looking for different character analysis or certain students working on understanding the illustrations or connecting social emotional, or maybe one student's working on grammar. So they're going to go through and find all the action verbs and then make sentences out of them, or they're going to go through and find all the adjectives and also, you know, expand some, you know, phrases with those adjectives to, to work on that a little bit more. For the Bruce books, there's a high frequency of the BR because the word Bruce is written throughout. You have a lot of vocalic R, a lot of initial R. You also get a lot of final S, initial G, and then the SL medial sound. So this book has a lot of different high frequency speech sounds that a lot of our students' goals have. So for sure, you know, print off those vocabulary that I found my articulation or that I found my speech sound and have them look through the book after you've read it and, and work on their speech sounds and then use those 100 trials and get a lot of trials with some of their articulation sounds. So I think the Bruce series is just a great example, 
one of the great examples of a book that can cover your caseload, your, your groups that are maybe a bit mixed. Yeah. And so like, for example, with Grump, if you have kids who are working on vocabulary or the social emotional concept right. of, or character analysis of Bruce's demeanor, you can have them use the word grump. How is he acting like a grump? But then you can also have your student who has needs for the R blend and they can practice whether it's just practicing grump, 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 and they're dotting or whatever and getting trials with that. You can have you can them even do pair that. them up. You or can even Bruce. pair two kids up. The one mm-hmm. vocabulary student with your Arctic student and they're finding those sounds and one kid saying it 50 times or a hundred times. <laughs> and then and the other kid is working on every single right. time, like for a hundred times, but still like you, you don't need to pick 20 words for them no. to practice because th- you are there for 30 minutes. You just need accuracy. And so I'm making sure they're practicing it correctly. So I think it's important to also, if you're able to not have six kids for 30 minutes, like trying to, if at all possible, which I know some people are stretched, but that's why trying to be very intentional and advocate for yourself to organize your groups to where it makes sense is helpful. Well, and I also think, I mean, just to kind of almost not wrap things up, but Mm -hmm. looking at those Instagram poll results will tell you it's okay to do things differently. You know, there's no one perfect way. And we've said this mm-hmm. a, mul- um, a bunch of times is I think there is so much instilled in us that we think there is one specific way to go about therapy. And there really is not. There are people, you know, grouping kids their own way. You have to just do what works for you. And there's different people taking data many different ways. Now, are there some certain guidelines that you should go by? Sure. But don't feel like you're not doing things the right way. Mm-hmm. I think as long as you're thinking about what you're doing and why, and just being keeping their goals front of mind. So we just kind of went over how we organize groups and how we do data collection. We mentioned using mother Bruce, but if there's anything else specifically that you are wanting to kind of hear us discuss uh, regarding groups or regarding data collection, definitely reach out to us on Instagram and um, we would be happy to provide input if, you know, we have ideas. We're not perfect, but we definitely would love to just share ideas with you guys to help make things easier on your end. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We know you're a busy SLP, so thanks for spending some of your time with us today. Click the description for this episode on your listening app or go to sweetsouthernspeech.com to access the show notes. We will include any links mentioned. And to continue the conversation, come hang out with us on Instagram at Literacy Based Speech Therapy, where we share lots of books to use in your therapy sessions. We would love to hear your thoughts on what you heard today. Please leave us a review on your listening app. We'll catch you in the next episode.